on this episode of Action Film Face-Off. Before I wish for your annihilation, any last words? Was I the only one really disturbed when the door came off and John Wayne was standing there in what appeared to be flesh-covered, you know, something, (laughs) and very briefly I thought, oh my God, that's a naked John Wayne. Uh Uh-oh, we're (laughs) going to see the Duke. (laughs) (laughs) The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 2008 versus 1971. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. Two men now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Action Film Face Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of those random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and the champion will be crowned by the end of this episode. I am Jared Albrecht, the Death Probe co-host is my brother jason the weasel skull we are both military combat vets who take our action seriously but not too seriously so let's have some fun we're back on just kind of a regular episode on this one uh no real trickery although it's a half blind fire for me i'd never seen big jake but there you have it what about you jason I've seen both of these movies. I think we've got a theme, though, where a bunch of bad guys make a bad choice and kidnap a loved one from the wrong person. An aging action star who wants to prove they still got it. Yep, absolutely. Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are as follows. Story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. It is etched in stone here. I can't change it. It's not in that order, but you'll just have to believe us. We will have at the end the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. Today we are joined by a sniper, and the sniper has just one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring today by a total of five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode. It is Crusaders Club member, tall guy, Auburn fan, former Blockbuster video employee, and all-around nice guy, Rob Morgan. Welcome to the show, Rob. I resemble a few of those introductory remarks. Thanks for having (laughs) me, guys. (laughs) No, you're always welcome here, Rob. Got to meet Rob. Well, I've met him before, but I got to see him personally a few weeks ago in Auburn. That was awesome. We were there with the AU Wishbone podcast crew signing some Auburn books. Good times, good times. But let's stay on target. Rob, your three favorite action films. Jason and I are judging you. Go. First one's easy. Raiders of Lost Art. We get that one a lot. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And you talked about it on the show. I don't have to go into too much detail there. It's my favorite, and I think it might be the best as well. So the other two, it's so difficult. Since we're recording this close to the holiday season, I think for number two, I'm going to pick everybody's favorite Christmas movie and say Die Hard. Hell yeah. Uh, Yippee uh, ki 
uh, it uh, you know spawned a thousand imitators and sequels, but just by itself, it's just a great movie. None of the sequels and none of the imitators have been as good as that very first movie. Number three, I'm going to go. Uh, I've been mildly obsessed with this movie for, what, two and a half years now? So I'm going to say Tenet, Christopher Nolan's time travel James Bond epic, confusing masterpiece. Um, has <laughs> That's a wild some of the, card for me. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it either. I think it's a brilliant movie. It has some just fantastic set pieces. It can get a little confusing. The first time I watched it, I completely lost the thread in the finale. But I've watched it plenty of times since, and it's it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. It, it is a favorite of mine. Like I say, I'm also mildly obsessed with it. I listen to the score once a week, bought a book about the movie. I, yeah, like I said, mild obsession with that flick, and, and it definitely qualifies as an action movie. So I think, I think it's safe to put that at number three, at least for right now. If you ask me this tomorrow, I might give you... Uh, number two and number three would be completely different choices. I understand. Right now, that's what I got. I'm the same way with my Bond films. So yeah, I tell you, you what, if we have Tenet come up on the randomizer, we'll have you back. Yes. yes. <laughs> what I'm going to do is send myself back from the future and we'll make Tenet both sides of the action film face off. Uh, <laughs> oh, because, you know, it's moving in two directions. So we could actually do, you know, half the movie on one side and half the movie on the other. But you have to change your name to Bob. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. Forwards and backwards. Forwards yes. and backwards. Oh. Yes. Or, or boar. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Boar. Rock. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, now that my nose is bleeding, before our, our two films enter the video dome arena, we're going to kick off this episode like we always do with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Oh. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason King, Jason Lady, Jeremy L, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, no Jim Jarman too, Joe November, John Watson, Josh Strickland, Candace Ward, Kathy Bright, MVP, Mark Ross, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W, P.D. Devin, Paul Hicks, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. This next one just says bad mother. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, John Urbanski, Spidey67, Spreadsheet, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Tony Pennington, and Toronto Cop. If you missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we will add you soon. No worries, you can let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com, and we will get it straightened out. If you're asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club and the fine people found therein. Come check it out. All right. Well, we got the cash box all stacked up and everything's all inventoried. The business is done. Let's ride off into adventure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 2008. 
and I have selected Taken. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? I got the year of our Lord, the best year in American history, the year when the most important events occurred, 1971. And I put into our video dome arena, Big Jake. Jason was born in 1971. Guess couldn't do so. <laughs> <laughs> we have got a five matchup for this one, folks. It's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his film better than mine or vice versa. This is about us discussing beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Where did we see these films? For me, I actually watched Big Jake on Amazon Prime. Paid the $4. Actually, let me not lie. I cheapened it up so bad. I paid $2.99 and got in standard definition instead of paying the extra dollar for high I was like, no, man. I don't need no high def. So I saved a dollar. And then Taken is a weird one because I had it on my Plex and I was watching it. But apparently when I ripped it from the DVD to the Plex, it didn't rip well. Like I got to about the last five minutes and it just quit. So luckily I scampered over to my Blu-ray box and it was in there and I finished the last five minutes off on Blu-ray. So that was my only HD experience for these two. Jason, how'd you see it? I actually found a streaming service called American Movie Classics or something like that. Or American Classic Movies that had Big Jake on it. And it's a free streaming service. There was like one commercial during the whole thing and it was high def quality. So I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's how I watched that one. And then for Taken, I have the Blu-ray. So same as you, Jared. I ripped out the Blu-ray and threw it in there and had a good old time. Captain Morgan? These were both available for streaming on the Peacock service. I watched them both that way. I don't recommend it. I paid for the commercial-free version, and uh, there were indeed no commercials, but I guess they streamed the same version they they would. So all the awkward fades to black where a commercial would have been were in both <laughs> movies. That's weird. Um, oh, yeah, no. and yeah, it was it was really, I'll just say it was bad. I'm sure, I hope anyway, because they've got some recent theatrical movies, I guess, stuff released through Universal or whatever uh, is part of that same family with NBC. And certainly they don't do that with those. But Taken looked pretty good. I thought I had a Blu-ray of that myself, but if I do, it's so deep in the archives that I could not find it. I am pretty sure the version of Big Jake, it wasn't widescreen, but I'm pretty sure it was the transfer you probably had that was in standard def because it, it didn't look very good. Mm, mm. It was a VHS copy they had on hand. They just- <laughs> yeah, yeah. May, may have been a laser disc that they then had presented it to, <laughs> as a full thing because it, it was... It, it, it was not the best picture displayed on a 75-inch 4K TV. Huh. Well, okay. Well, with that, folks, this is your spoiler warning. We're clearly going to spoil these movies. So if you haven't seen 71's Big Jake or 2008's Taken, this is your opportunity to do so. And we will join you on the other side of this quick audio track. All right, folks, let's get going. I'm going to jump in with some quick information on 2008's Taken. Dad! Oh, my darling. Happy birthday. Dad, guess what? You know my friend Amanda? Yep. Her cousins asked us to spend vacation with them in Paris. I really, really want to go. Hi, Daddy. You were supposed to call me when you left. 
There's someone here. What? Oh my God, they got Amanda. They got me. All right, listen to me. Go to the next bedroom, under the bed. Tell me when you're there. Now, the next part is very important. They're going to take you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Where are they? If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. You have a 96-hour with what? To never finding her. No. But if you don't, I will look for you. Where is she? I will find you. Your cast and crew is as follows. It stars Liam Neeson and Famke Jensen. It was directed by Pierre Morel, and the synopsis goes a little something like this. Former intelligence community badass Brian Mills is trying to settle down and leave his violent life behind him and get to know his now teenage daughter after being missing for most of her life. It's going pretty good, too, right up until the daughter and her other teenage friend go to Paris and make really bad decisions. But you know who makes even worse decisions? The men who abduct the girls for sex trafficking. Because Mills isn't having a bar of that bullshit. He's willing to tear the city apart to rescue his daughter. And the one-man rampage is a sight to behold. All right, here's your trivia for this one. Liam Neeson himself expected this film to bomb. In fact, he thought it was going to be a straight-to-DVD release. But he signed on in order to get the free four months in Paris and to learn the martial arts. He thought, free trip to Paris, free martial arts classes, I'll do this movie. Ironically, not only was the film a massive hit, but it created an all-new onstage image for Neeson and launched him into action status. It did, man. <laughs> like, there are so many Liam Neeson action movies after that. What a good decision. Yeah, he had no idea. He thought, oh, you know, it reminds me of Michael Caine and Jaws for the Revenge, who took the part just so he could get the free trip to the Bahamas. <laughs> he actually missed picking up his Academy Award because he was filming Jaws 4 in the Bahamas. <laughs> but I hey, like that man's life choices, though. Right? He's he's got to he's got to figure it out. He was like, eh, I'm going to the Bahamas <laughs> for free, son. Yeah, exactly. I'd say that not only did this turn Liam Neeson into the aging action hero, but it's a little bit like Die Hard. It spawned a thousand imitators. To yeah. Him. Like the movie Nobody from I think, oh, last so year starring Bob Odenkirk as, a, <laughs> as an action hero. And it was a lot like this and that it was, mm -hmm. you know, we'll get into this more, but, you know, it's a, it was just a lean and mean thing you know you got in got out and we're done and there's been you know quite a few other aging actors and jennifer garner's movie uh what was that called a couple of years ago it was a little bit like her version of taken yeah uh, kevin costner did that one yeah uh, like, yeah. like was it something days to kill or something like something that? like that right days to yeah kill or... yeah that's exactly right that comparison to the jennifer garner maybe just hit me and i cannot remember the name of it but uh we'll come she, back she has her own little uh taken inspired action picture i think 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, here's your trivia nugget number two. And I don't know if it's so much of a trivia nugget as it is. I needed to know this because this is a scene where his daughter's under the bed. She's called him and she's about to be taken and he's telling her what to do. And he's like, give as much information as you can. And the kidnappers grab her and they yank her out from the bed. And she makes this noise. And I'm like, I have no idea what she's saying. But thanks to the trivia, I can tell you that she yells out beard, six feet, tattoo, right hand, moon and star. Now, how he got that off of that, that sounds like Captain Caveman got taken. I don't know. But that is apparently. I, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I was like, he told you, say everything that you see. And I, like, I, yeah, I, I picked did. up none of that when I watched it. <laughs> There's not a lot of exposition. Peppermint, Rob. Peppermint. Yeah. Peppermint. You're right. That's it. The, one of the things that's nice about Taken is there's not a lot of exposition. So we'll just pretend that that's their version of some sort <laughs> of uh, coded language, maybe pig Latin for, you know, spies. And uh, he understood every word of it. I guess. Ah, anyways, my last trivia nugget is uh, I'm going to do this for the first time. Unless you guys, you know, already looked and cheated and looked on the trivia nuggets. I want your best guess at the kill count. How many people did he kill? And there's be a no prize for the winner. So we'll start with our guest. How many people do you think he killed in this movie? Wait, before we go, like he had to personally kill him. Does like the Peter getting hit by the truck count? Is his kill or is that? I don't know how the people who add up the kill counts do this. Okay. So I don't know. So let's say so, yes, because if he hadn't been chasing Peter, Peter would have got hit by the truck. True. <laughs> I'm, uh, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> I would say at least 25, but 25? I, uh, let's just go 30. Okay. He's rounding it up to 30. Jason, what do you think? I was in that same ballpark with 30. I'm going to go. 15. I'm going to think maybe it was less than what I'm thinking. All right. Tonight's champion is Rob Morgan. He killed 35 people. God, I was going to say 35. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember reading that. I don't think they counted the guy he threw off the boat because he just threw him off the boat. He's probably alive. He may have and swum to safety. Yeah. And I don't know that they counted the guy when he stole that car from the guy and he just banged his head into the car. He's probably just unconscious. <laughs> he could be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, pretty much everybody else he encountered died yeah. in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that is it for uh, my introduction of the film. Jason, I hand it to you. And now I will give you the rundown on 1971's Big Jake. John Fane. John Fane stops at Ming. Bank robberies, train robberies, and killing. Fane and his gang raided the McCandles Ranch and kidnapped little Jake McCandles. They held him for $1 million in ransom. They weren't afraid of the army, and they weren't afraid of the Texas Rangers. And they thought his grandfather, Big Jake McCandles, was dead. He wasn't. It took a million-dollar kidnapping to bring Big Jake back home to his family, to his son, James. Good morning, Daddy. Daddy? Daddy. Daddy. Well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. His son, Michael. You hurt? No. And to his wife, Martha. I was wrong. You haven't changed, have you, Jacob McCandles? Not one bit. Big Jake took his two sons, a half-blind Apache and a wild dog, deep into Mexico. One way or another, they had to pay off John Fane and his gang. You got to deliver that box to us. You got to put it right in our hands. Somebody takes that box away from you. 
We won't be understanding. We won't wait. We won't try again. I'll just send that boy's body back to you in a basket. Understand? Every cutthroat killer, every two-bit thief tried getting that red box. Instead, they got Big Jake and his two sons. There's a little eight-year-old boy somewhere out there, scared and lonely and probably wondering what's happened to his world. We came here to find him and take him home, alive if possible. Now you understand. Anything goes wrong, anything at all. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. It don't matter. I'm gonna blow your head off. It's as simple as that. So one night in May, Big Jake McCandless had a final showdown with John Fane and his gang. Who are you? Jacob McCandle. I thought you was dead. Not hardly. Cast and crew included John Wayne, Richard Boone, and Maureen O'Hara. It was directed by George Sherman. Synopsis goes a little something like this. The Fane gang has decided they are going to make some easy money by kidnapping wealthy ranch owner Martha McCandle's grandson. What they don't count on is the boy's grandfather and Martha's ex-husband, Big Jake. They want gold, and he's going to give them lead. Or he's going to prove that just because the cat's away, he's still going to slay. It's two-for-one cliche night. Trivia includes, this is the 10th and final film that John Wayne starred in with his son, Patrick Wayne. And it's the only one in which they played father and son. And just because I know Jared is going to ask how much a million dollar ransom would be today, it's over $27 million, so around the $30 million mark. Remember when Maureen O'Hara said, oh, we've got that many times more. She could have bought an army. Oh, uh, no kidding. I was like, in what year? They had a million dollars? Yes. Because remember, he says, do we, do you have that much money? And she says, yes, yes. And many times that. I'm like, holy cow. That army officer would have been like, ma'am, you know, uh, we'd love to serve you. And she's like, you're gosh darn right. Because you work for me now. I just bought you. <laughs> I'm your general. And then the third and final trivia nugget, director George Sherman was in failing health and he was unable to direct on some of the rugged outdoor sets. So John Wayne stepped in and directed in those situations. And George actually recommended the Duke receive uh, co-director credit, but uh, John Wayne uh, refused and allowed George to take full credit for the film. That's weird because I would have bet money, like cash money, that when I watched it, this copy that I watched at the opening credits, it said directed by George Sherman and John Wayne. I think that they might have the, like the, remastered the, it or something. Yeah, and put that in there. If you look it up on IMDb, it says George Sherman and one other. And then if you go a little bit deeper, it's like, yeah, and John Wayne. And that's where you kind of get the story. But at the time, yeah. John Wayne's like, no, nah, he wanted him to get the full. I, he didn't over. really need to make a name for himself. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of those production companies that's listed at the front was, I believe, John Wayne's production company. It was, yeah. So that might be the source of one of those credits because mm -hmm. he, he was listed as more than just an actor for sure. They might have put that on there after he died or something as well. Because he died like eight years later. This is actually the last time, just a freebie nugget here, that John Wayne is number one at the box office. Hmm. 
I read a little more about this one than I did Taken, and I was shocked that, you know, for one thing, I, I want to say the movie made slightly less than $8 million at the box office, and that made it one of the biggest hits of 1971. That's, um, that was eight, that was eight million, 1971 dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what, I get, what would that be in uh, 2022 if a million with the 30? $6.2 um, billion. Dollars. <laughs> and now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. It's a street fight. All right, let's get to it. Now, before we get into these rounds, just a couple of reminders for you. If you want to play Match Game, the game within the game, you know, we've got two films. we got five categories. That means Jason and I could match up to 10 possible times. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen my scores. So, hey, make your best guess on how many matches we're going to make. And speaking of scores, as usual, we do this every episode. But if this is your first episode, welcome. Our scoring system is pretty basic. If it's a five, that means it's okay. It's fine. It's average. It's something you'd see on a decent made-for-TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten is really good. Filmmaking, four, three, two, one. You've got things to work on. With all that out of the way, let's get into round one. I will find you. And I will kill you. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is the story? We will start with Taken, 2008. We will start with our guest, Rob Morgan. What do you think of the story of Taken? It's lean and mean, and that's the best thing about it, I think. This is the very definition of a tight 90. There's not a lot of exposition. You know, we meet the characters, and we just dive right in. It's not an especially original story. You know, The guy's daughter's kidnapped, and he goes and rescues her. It's well done. And it knows what it is, and it just dives in and doesn't waste any time. So it's not a brilliant script or brilliant story by means, but I think it's solid for sure. I, I have to agree. Jason, what do you think? I think Lean and Mean is a good description of it. I think what really makes it work, because Rob's absolutely right, it's very simple as far as the plot's concerned, but it's the pacing and the acting of Liam Neeson and the character that he portrays that really makes this interesting because there's not really a wasted moment on the screen. Everything at the beginning that sets you up really shows the vulnerabilities of Liam Neeson's character, how he's trying to make a change, how he regrets some of the things that have led him to have kind of an estranged relationship, definitely with his ex-wife, but also with his daughter. Yet, those are the same skills that are going to allow him to save her life, ultimately. It's really an interesting juxtaposition of a man trying to make a change, forced back in to the life he left behind for the most noblest of causes, and it's done at such a pace. My eyes were glued to the screen. I've seen the movie before. I know she's going to make it, but I'm still feeling, oh my gosh, I'm feeling tired when in those scenes, like when he's putting the iv bag on the lady and he has to wait for her to wake up and he's so tired and his head's like falling asleep but then his phone rings again it's just really well done the pacing how they took that kind of simple script and made it very functional well said i would say rob's comments were like a brand new horse jason's yours were a karaoke machine all right <laughs> 
but but I spent a lot of time picking out that carry <laughs> story every day for like a month. No, uh, oh, well said. I'm not even going to do an add-on. You guys have hit the nail on the head. We've said this about other movies in the past. Simple but well executed. All right, let's go to 1971 and Big Jake, and everybody get ready to get mad at Rob. Rob, what did you think of the story of Big Jake 1971? Similar to Taken. I mean, astonishingly similar. I guess this was a coincidence, but Guy's son is kidnapped. He goes to rescue him. It's the opposite of Taken in that the pacing is awful. Uh, I tried not to get distracted by other things, but I, I, I guess it was only about a two-hour movie, but it, it's themed a lot longer when we finally get to the showdown at the end, it picks up, and that part is actually pretty good. There were a few laugh-out-loud moments. There were some nice moments during the movie, but for the most part, like I said, it's the opposite of Taken. It's a basic, simple story, but it's just dragged out. It was about 30 minutes too long. If this had been the same length as Taken, I probably would have liked it. You know what? I'm not even going to argue with you, Rob. I think it does suffer a little bit from what I call Western bloat. I don't know if you watch a lot of old Westerns from that era, but there are a lot of them are like that. They're just like longer than they need to be. And I think part of that is like, there's a lot of time spent with vistas and beautiful sceneries that I think maybe at the time was exciting, but like we've all seen it. Well, so it's, yeah, I, I'm not going to judge you too harshly on that one. I think it could have been a little crisp, right? Especially when it's in the ring with a movie like taken, that's essentially the same movie. Just, better paced so compare it to the last time you i believe the last time you had a john wayne picture on this show was the searchers right think about how much better well we can talk about it in some of the other categories but the pacing on that movie even though i think it was longer it doesn't feel like it that movie i won't say that movie just breezes by but when you're talking about something that was made what 15 years before this and everything about it is just leagues better hmm. than this movie was to me. So, okay, okay, Jason, your thoughts on the story? You've waited patiently. Well, it's a lean story, and it's about a man trying. I was just gonna say exactly the same thing. I said <laughs> <laughs> actually, you could just replay that and put Big Jake where it's taken. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, very similar in terms of taken. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some motivation from Big Jake, maybe in the development of this script. Several of the themes were definitely there. I'd say some of the differences with Big Jake is Jacob McCandles, played by John Wayne. He He's the same person. He's not trying to make amends or anything with his, his sons. He's perfectly content riding out there on the prairie doing Big Jacob McCandles things. And it's just like, ah, crap, my grandson got himself kidnapped. I better go straighten this stuff out. So it's a little bit different in terms of the relationship of the character motivations i think are still similar but yeah overall very similar to taken and i thought a solid story and i like the relationship between the fathers and the sons and the kind of reconnecting and his friendship with sam sharp knows yeah i guess i'll stop there very similar i guess similarity is the theme tonight we didn't know that going in it was funny how jason and i spoke the other night and we we're like man these movies were thematically very similar that was a weird coincidence <laughs> all right there's nothing left to do but to score them jason let's double back to 2008 the story of taken one to ten your thoughts i gave it a seven like rob said very lean story but the way they put it together made it well above average kind of in that uh view to a kill category that we compare things with so seven for me Match game number one. I also scored it a seven. Moving back in time to Big Jake in 1971. One to ten. Jason. 
Very similar, like I said. So I landed on a seven for that one as well. Match game number two. <laughs> also scored it a seven. And let's get this formality out of the way. <laughs> Rob, your sniper's bullet. Which movie did you think had a better story? You can now verbalize that. Uh, yeah, I'll say Taken. Again, they're essentially the same story, but Taken tells it better. Fair enough. And that's the end of round one. That passes the baton to me for round two. Better alive, you are coming with me. And in round two, we're going to discuss the hero and the hero's ensemble. If he's got some compadres riding around with him, as is the case of Big Jake, much more of a solo act and taken, unless you count the Albanian translator, who's probably still sitting at a bar telling this story going, I don't know what the heck happened that night, but things went crazy. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about the hero from Taken, and we'll go ahead and start with you again, Rob. What's to say Liam Neeson just redefining himself as this ultra badass spy when other than Qui-Gon Jinn and, you know, was Rob Roy an action movie? I got to think Darkman was his best action movie. Yeah, Darkman. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. think about Darkman. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a memory. But yeah, before this, you know, this was a guy, you know, Oscar Schindler, you know, a guy that made prestige pictures a lot of times and then and just... Again, you know, we think about it as almost a cliche now, but that was an astonishing transformation from him at the time. He was excellent and has obviously turned that into, you know, a lucrative career for the last 15 years or whatever it's been. Yes, um, I do want to speak up for some of the supporting cast. His buddies that he works security with, you can't go wrong with Uncle Rico as part of your posse. <laughs> so, you know, we, I think we do need to give credit where it's due there. Uh, but yeah, once he gets to Paris, it is a solo act. Yeah, even the guy that you think is his friend. True. That's pr- <laughs> Am I yeah, going to get to talk about that scene? Yeah. So uh, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we all have we'll things about- to say about that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We do. We're getting there. We're getting there. Jared, what do you have to say about Liam Neeson? Again, I'm on the same page as Rob. Just it was really cool to see him redefine himself. You know, kudos to his trainer. Kudos to his dedication to the training. Kudos to the stunt coordinators. I found him to be completely believable for a, a man of his age to do that and then give me two more sequels spread like over eight years. is <laughs> pretty impressive. I was mentioned on Twitter to somebody earlier this week because I posted that I was watching this and I said, I feel like if this movie doesn't exist, then we'd never get John Wick. I can't back that up with paperwork, but I feel like it just paved the way for that. Um, I agree. I didn't think about that, yeah. but I mean, yeah, John Wick is sort of yeah. Reeves redefined. No, I guess the difference actor-wise is Keanu Reeves had done action flicks before. Yeah, he's that uh, Matrix guy and but, all that, but right, he kind of yeah. proved like, hey, I might be old, but I still got it. Yep, still <laughs> got know? it. So anyways, yeah, look for a high score for the hero on this one. Um, He might do slightly better than Roger Moore in a view to <laughs> What the heck you say? You want to get me kicked off the show, let me start talking about a view to a kill. (laughs) (laughs) Easy, easy. Slow your roll, Rob. Slow your roll. Well, let's talk about Big Jake and John Wayne. I mean, the legend, John Wayne. But Rob, I'm I'm sensing not so much love for Big Jake coming off of you. What what do you got to say about John Wayne as Jake? It's hard to say anything bad about such a legend. I'm going to try to go with positives here. There were a lot of high points in his performance as Big Jake. I couldn't help laughing every time somebody 
told him they thought he was dead. Yeah, it, that was excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was funny every time. Uh, you know, when he got in the fight with his both on-screen and off-screen son, I, he was yep. chiding him for calling him daddy. And he said something <laughs> like, you can call me a dirty son of a bitch, but if you ever call me daddy again, I'll finish this fight. That was great. There's flashes of the old Duke in there, uh, for sure. I'm not going to tell you it was bad. It certainly wasn't his best, but it, it was enjoyable to watch him do his thing. Fair enough. Jared, what do you think? Agree? Disagree? Anything Still then? agreeing with Rob. Still agreeing with Rob. I have never been... I guess I got to pick my phrasing carefully. I was about to say, I've never been a big John Wayne fan, but like in today's parlance, you say, I've never been a big fan of that means you don't like them. That's not what I mean. To me, I'm a little younger than Jason just by five years, but I think that five years matters because Jason always liked John Wayne. And I was always like, I like Clint Eastwood. And there's that divide, like right there between 1971 and 1976 is where that divide happened. And that's not to say I don't like John Wayne. It's just I never gravitated towards him. I've only recently started watching some John Wayne films, Searchers for this show. On my own, I watched The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which I thought was excellent. So I'm warming up to him. And I just thought he was, like Rob said, kind of in, in... old duke mode like it's been said that john wayne just plays john wayne in every movie you know and yeah <laughs> i do think to an extent that's true yeah, but i think bit. to an extent that's kind of what you want <laughs> so i think he did a really good job i found it to be very entertaining this is the hero round so he's surrounded by that ensemble of his real son and then his you know movie casted son and i thought they were both cool especially his his real son who i'd recently watched in a couple of movies that he did by himself and I thought, that guy's pretty good. I kind of like him. And he was really good in this. Like, to me, John Wayne, of course, is John Wayne. But his son, I think it's Patrick, really got some good limelight in the movie. So I, I got a good score coming. Nice. Well, speaking of scores, it is time to score them. So, Jared, let's talk about uh, Liam Neeson and Taken. What uh, What are you giving the score for him? I have him at a solid eight. He's not 9-10 James Bond, you know, Ethan Hunt level. But it's good. It's real good. So it's a solid eight. Yeah, I think as we've been talking about it, I think I probably underscored him a little bit, but I gave him a seven because I was like, Roger Moore was really good in the view. (laughs) 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 But I gave him a seven on mine. Well, let's talk about Big Jake. Would you give John Wayne? Come on. I did the the same thing. I gave him an eight. Like, honestly, when I first wrote down, I wrote down seven, but then I remembered how much I liked Pat Wayne, and that's part of the hero category. I was like, that gives it the bump up, and I gave it the eight. That's a match game for us there. I landed on an eight, not because so, I thought I thought Liam Neeson and John Wayne were about at the same level, but I liked the ensemble around John Wayne a little bit. Well, enough to give it a bump. I, I liked Sam and Michael and Patrick Wayne played James, so... He had an awesome mustache. He did, man. That mustache was legit. Somewhere up in heaven, Freddie Mercury's gone. It's all right. Yes. Nice. yes. You know who I thought he looked like several times? Did he not resemble Michael Bean playing Johnny Ringo? Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very good point. Well, all right, Rob. Sniper bullet time. Where's it going? Big Jake or Taken? Y'all have almost talked me into... <laughs> Uh oh, because I already wrote it down. I'm gonna have to erase it if he changes. Uh, no, we're Make still gonna go with taken. Yeah, we're we're still gonna go with taken. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, we gotta give it to Liam. He he was better overall. The sentimental factor makes me want to choose 
John Wayne. And I think you're right. The ensemble around him was better. But Liam Neeson's just a badass in that movie. And you know, if we were comparing it with another John Wayne movie, that might be different. But in this one, it's got to be Liam, I think. Nah, that's fair. That's fair. And that wraps up my category. That must mean it's time for round three. Round three is the villain. How menacing is your villain? How interesting is your villain? And this is going to get interesting indeed, isn't it, Jason? Because we got to talk about the villainy of Taken. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like this is where Taken suffers the most tonight. But go ahead. Yeah, this is the low point for me for this movie. Not really one big mastermind villain behind this plot. But at the same time, it kind of works because he's not, he being Liam Neeson, isn't going against an individual so much as he's going up against an entire system. And the reason why I'm not going to put this, I'm tipping my hand a little early, I'm not putting this into the average or below average, because they do a really good job of showing you how this system is so corrupt and how it works on many different levels and facets. We have the Albanian lower gangs that are actually doing the kidnapping and the drugging up and shipping. We've got the corrupt police officials that are allowing this to go on under their watch. We've got the dignitaries at the upper level that are running these underground auction rings. We got these, I'm going to set a cuss word, but son of a guns from all over the globe with money just dripping out of every pore that, that are spending on the excesses and taking advantage of these. And my man, Liam Neeson, goes up and gets all of them. <laughs> so, yep. so, that's, so that's why, even though it is the weakest point for me, the fact that you're looking at him just going up against the whole system assuages many sins. Okay. Rob, thoughts on the villainy of Taken? Yeah, I agree. There's not a main villain in the movie. The villain is the organization and you know all the foot soldiers and... You know, there's no Goldfinger. You know, there's no mastermind. Max and, Zorin. Right, right. Of course. <laughs> but I'm kind of torn because, I, again, when we're talking about this movie being so lean and mean, if they took the time to develop a headline villain, I'm not sure it would have made the movie any better. But at the same time, it does make it just Liam Neeson wailing on and shooting and stabbing random <laughs> dudes in Paris. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's it's a weak point, but I don't know that the movie would have been improved if there had been a like a name actor that was, oh, my goodness, this this person's playing the bad guy. It would have been Gary Oldman. We all know it. would. Yeah, been. yeah. For every movie like that, it's Gary Oldman. And I like Gary Oldman. But in this case, I don't know that he would have made the movie any better if he chewed some scenery and then got shot at the end. Okay, let's shift gears and go to Big Jake in 1971, and we get to talk about one of my favorite actors of this sort of genre and era. I like Richard Boone quite a bit, and he had a little bit of a gang with him, and Jason, you can kick that off. I'll tell you what, Jared, I forgot how good Richard Boone was in this movie. It says a lot that when he's going toe-to-toe on screen with John Wayne, he's matching him as far as intensity like he's just oozing this calm and confidence. And he's got John Wayne rattled in a couple of those scenes. Just the way he pulls it off. He is a presence in there. I was so 
no pun intended, taken with his performance that I was like, man, this is one of the better villains that I've seen in a long time. And I, I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I'd never made that connection before. I'd forgotten that. So that's kind of a, a lot of dripping praise for me to say he's going to get a pretty decent score. Yeah, my biggest thing was like, I just like him as the hero. You know, I like half gun will travel a lot. <laughs> just like, man, I don't, but he was so good. as the villain, but you know what? Rob gets to talk. Rob, Richard Boone. I agree. 100%. This is the one aspect of big Jake that I have nothing but effusive praise for. I thought he was fantastic as the villain. I'm going to be honest. I don't really remember the name Richard Boone. I took a quick look at his filmography and I know I've seen some of those movies, but there was nothing familiar about him in this, but he was the best thing about the movie. It was a really great performance. He was convincing in a way that quite a few of the other actors weren't convincing. I bought that that dude was evil. I'm with you both. He was fantastic. That, it was the highlight of the film by far. To me. Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's score these bad boys. Jason, let's take it back to the villainy of Taken. I know that our scores are not going to match. <laughs> so what do you got? Well, for all the reasons that I laid out, I gave it a six. I couldn't say it was below average because it really did take a hard look at the system. Every, I'm going to use air quotes, bad guy that he fights is kind of memorable. They may have been like no names, but the guy that he ends up stabbing the little nails into the into his legs and shocking him, I remember that guy. The smarmy guy that was at the party there that he put some bullets in. I remember that guy. The big fat, wherever he was from, Sultan guy. Oh, you know, I was like, yeah, shoot him in the head. <laughs> so yeah, poor, I, poor Peter at the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Peter was just trying to make a buck, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so even though there was no big, big bad or big boss to fight at the end, there was enough villainy within that system that was memorable to me so i gave it a six maybe i'm being generous i have a feeling you're gonna think i am not too much i have it at a five you know i'm like eh originally i'd written down a four and i thought about it and and i actually landed on what you said like do i remember the villains i'm like yeah i remember the guy the guy on the boat that needed to die i remember the guy who sold her at his like highfalutin party uh, I remembered the guy who he electrocuted. I remember Peter. So it's like, yeah, I mean, there, there's no big name. There's no big bad, but I landed on the five. So let's go to Big Jake 1971. We all glowed up Richard Boone. You glow him to the tune of? An eight. I think he was matching it with John Wayne in this movie. So he gets an ocho from me. Same, same. Match game number four. I thought he was great. I thought my personal bias for Richard Boone, I know you guys weren't as familiar, but like I said, I really enjoyed Have Gun, Will Travel. That went for like, I don't know, four or five seasons, something like that. And he was really good in that. And if you've never seen it, go check out I Bury the Living. It's like one of my favorite Richard Boone movies. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to our sniper. And I think we might have a change in windage on this one, Jake. So <laughs> yeah, yeah this, one's, this one's easy. It goes to Big Jake. All right. Plus one for Richard Boone and Big Jake. And that is the end of round three. What do we do? We die. Well, that means I get round four, the spectacle. And by spectacle, we're talking the stunts, the action, the effects. We're talking the score. We're talking the setting. 
cinematography. We're throwing that all into a blender and seeing how tasty that daiquiri is when we're all done with it. So let's start with Taken. And Jared, why don't you give me your thoughts on the spectacle of Taken? I think the best thing Taken has going for it in terms of spectacle is what Rob said in round one. It's lean and mean. It doesn't let up. So did I find the score? You know, I'm a score guy, musical score guy. Did I find the musical score particularly gripping or interesting? Not really. It just did its job. I'm not saying it was bad or anything. It, just, it was fine. Where it shines is pacing. And we don't bring pacing a lot into the spectacle round, but it's really well paced. The action scenes are really good, really brisk. And it's going to be kind of loss of time because this is 2008, but it kind of did something we hadn't seen before. It used very realistic, very efficiency of movement combat techniques that are more real life than you know let's say van damme or or jackie chan and i love watching those guys but these were very realistic especially for a guy who has a lot of experience and he's aging he's probably not in his best physical shape but he's got the set of skills he's got the moves and everything's got efficiency to it It there's nothing flashy or over the top it just felt really grounded you know one of the things we talk about in spectacle round is and rob alluded to this in a negative way to think, Jake, but like, do you pick up your phone? Do you check your Twitter? You know, and I'd seen this movie before and no, I don't pick up my phone. I don't check my Twitter. I stay engaged. So it's going to get a good spectacle from me just for its really well done fight scenes, crispness. And I mean, you, you get a really good backdrop of France as well. So the location's good. So yeah, there you have it. Yeah, I agree with you. The one thing that I will add that really stood out to me when I watched the movie to go along with those fight scenes. And I appreciated this. You saw him use his mind. Like you saw him observing when he went into that, that house with the red door, how he was mapping out every room and he knew where everybody was. And when it came time to fight, like he was using the alcoves that he'd already spotted. He had it planned out how he was going to move through that building. I thought that was cool. And then evidence number two is when he was handcuffed to that pipe, even though like (laughs) he's got to be about to poop his pants because he's going to get killed. But he's watching everybody and he sees the one guy that's spinning the handcuff key on the chain. So after he takes everybody out, he knows right where to go. Who's got the key? Where's the key? Those were some elements in this movie that I really appreciated as well. Excellent. But I've talked a lot, and I'm talking over Rob's times. Go ahead, Rob. Hit hit me up with what you got on Taken. You know, the action scenes are, what else can we say about them? The fight scenes are spectacular. It's great that Liam Neeson does a lot of his own fighting and action scenes. because it. He I don't did recall... on this one, we'll say. Yeah, on this <laughs> one, yeah. But if we were going to name a, a certain Bond movie, there's not obvious substitutions for him. Ob- you know, constantly <laughs> every time every time he goes to swing a fist, it's not obviously <laughs> a different person. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I don't know if this is a positive or a negative. But, you know, the movie largely takes place in Paris, and there's not a lot of Paris porn. There's not a lot of hey, look at this shot of this famous landmarks in Paris. It's just, you know, that's just part of the movie. And I think that's a positive, but they could have maybe made the movie a little prettier by doing some of that. This time I was kind of struck by some of the stuff like Jason was talking about the setup for the action scenes that you saw him thinking and getting prepared. And I think my favorite part actually in this movie is sort of before the fighting starts 
when uh, you know he was posing as the cop, and he sort of manipulated that guy into saying "good luck" to tie back to what he heard on the phone, and then he knew he had his guy, and it was on. Uh, <laughs> yes. That that was just fantastic build up, and then of course, you know, when the fists and bullets start flying. It's taken at that point. You know? Was I the only one surprised when he just starts throwing down right there? Because I thought like, okay, now he knows where the guy is. Now he's going to back out of there, then come up with a plan to come back. And But he was like, nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In a different movie, that's probably what would have happened. But this movie, it was going to get wrapped up in 90 minutes. And so yeah, my boy was to, on was, the clock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was time to engage in fisticuffs. All right. We got to do spectacle for Big Jake. Boy, I'm a little bit nervous with Rob, so I'll let Jared go first. All right, let's talk spectacle for Big Jake, Jared. Well, it had a lot, actually, going for it. I I thought it had a really good score, like the music was really good. It sounded a little lifted from the Magnificent Seven to me, (laughs) but like uh, in in all the best ways. I mentioned earlier, I mean, we got the western bloat if you will but they do spend a lot of time on the vistas and all that and, and it's really beautiful scenery i mean they capture a lot of really great scenery. i thought the costumes were cool i like this was sort of a turn of the century western so they brought in some a little bit of modern technology the automatic pistol the motorcycle and all that stuff and to an extent that worked like one of the negative things i actually messaged rob while i was watching it was like man they really really were excited they had that motorcycle because they were like oh i got like a five minute scene to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm knocking the bad guys. I'm like, in real life, you see that guy coming on the motorcycle and you're like, blam. And he's dead. And that's, that's, that's the end of that. But they were really excited about that motorcycle. Maybe a little too much in that regard, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought everything looked cool. Uh, I like the music. I like the settings. And I'll get a decent score from. It. Hold on. I got to erase one of my best action scenes. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. All right, Rob, are you going to show a little mercy here or uh, are you going to give both barrels of that greener? Yeah. Part of it I don't want to judge on because, as mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure this was just a bad transfer that Peacock had. But some of the staging on it, and we'll talk about the motorcycle again in a second, but this looked like a television show at times to me. We're in this big, big gunfight. So, okay, actor, you stand in front of the camera and point your gun and pull the trigger. Okay, cut. Next, stand in front of the camera. There there was no sense that all that stuff was happening at the same time to me. And I'm talking specifically about that first shootout. And the motorcycle, like you said, was ridiculous. You know, he jumped over that chasm one time. And I guess ostensibly he was trying to escape at that point. But then randomly they just insert another shot of him jumping back over the same thing. I'm not so sure it was actually reshot. It may well have just been they flipped the film and replayed it again. <laughs> and yeah, I guess it's like you said, they, they just, hey, there's a motorcycle in the Old West. Isn't that cool? Um, uh, <laughs> and, and for a yeah. minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, like you said, you know, uh, it wasn't moving much faster than the horses. And uh, yeah, that that scene in, in particular I did nothing for me. Now, moving forward. The finale part was much better. And, you know, it largely took place in the dark, but it was maybe not 100% better from that regard. I felt a lot more tension and suspense in that scene than I did in that first one. Like I said, all I could think while I was watching is that there are episodes of Gunsmoke and Bonanza that are look better 
and are better staged and edited than this. That was part of what made it just seem to last forever to me, that most of the supporting cast seemed to be reading lines and not really emoting very much. Even Maureen O'Hara. Uh, am I saying that right? Is it yeah. Maureen O'Hara? Yeah, Maureen O'Hara. Obviously, she and John Wayne were in The Quiet Man together. and uh, They, they were did four one... films together. I yeah, was, uh, yeah they did several films together. together. Yeah. And, you know, she's not in it very much. And it, uh, there are a couple of shots where, okay, yeah, they're on camera at the same time. But, you know, there are also multiple where it just feels like, okay, she's just reading lines and looking at a camera. To me, like I said, again, the last time you covered a, a John Wayne movie, it was The Searchers. And you think about how much better... That was done 15 years earlier. Now, that may have been a bigger budget picture at the time, but it was it was not a pleasure to look at to me at all. If we were judging it solely on score, the musical score, it would win easily, even though well, I thought I think it was... they did it was, lift it from Magnus. Yeah, even though it was kind of average <laughs> and, and maybe just pulled music from different other Elmer Bernstein scores. But I remember the musical score from Big Jake where... Was there music in Taken? Uh, you know, who knows? Uh, was probably. there, you know, there was probably some in it, but I don't remember what it sounded like. Score is the only area that I would give Big Jake the advantage. I guess I'm making it obvious where that, that sniper bullet is going to go later. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because this is early 70s. So we're kind of on the cusp of kind of leaving behind the old style of Western and coming into the new 70s era. and a little sneak in a little additional nugget here. John Wayne was really uncomfortable with the amount of violence that was in the movie and, and some of the more comedic elements. He kind of forced folks to write that in there to level off some tension. And, you know, fans of the film debate it whether, you know, do those comedic elements add to it or take it away? I don't know. You be the judge. But all good observations, Rob. And I do I think, have a question for both of you real quick okay. about the pistol. The, you know, there was like a big deal about that. This movie's set in, what, the early 1900s? So, I mean, do you have any insight into, was that an accurate portrayal of a weapon that was actually in somebody's hand at the time? It was actually, what he says, was it was a, um, what is it, a Walter... Uh, 1911 1911 and it wasn't a walther 1911 there's only like a handful like maybe four or five of those left they only made a handful of them and there's only very few that were still surviving even in 1971 but that one was a, a walther 1938 model that the props crew modified to make it look like the 1911 but it was long answer it was based on the the model of gun that he referenced in there but it was a 1938 model that was made to look like the 1911. Which apparently that dude had never shot before in his life. (laughs) (laughs) And never will again either. (laughs) Well, we've got a nice uh, James Bond connection here. Yep. It was a Walther. Yep. So spectacle from taken. I'm interested to see what Jared's going to give the spectacle here. Gets a lot of credit for that lean grounded eight. I gave it an eight. Match game. Yeah, it really holds up. I watched it with my very cynical son, and he did not check his phone. He said he really enjoyed it. It was good. A few too many cut scenes in the chase scenes, though, I thought. <laughs> I was having a little trouble following those. But, you know, we'll, we'll leave that be. All right. Big Jake, what are you giving the spectacle there, Jared? 
uh, it did have an edge and score. It had those beautiful vistas. If you had a good transfer of the film, I guess. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I gave it a seven. Not quite as good as Taken because it did have a pacing problem, but I thought it had good music, good scenery. Seven. Match game again. That's what I gave it. I think this is probably more of a formality, but all right. Where's the sniper bullet going? Uh, it goes to Taken. All right. I'm going to wrap that up, put a bow on it, and pass it to you, Jared. Let's get to round five. Uppercut. Round five is best action scene, so I'll be passing it back to Jason. He's broken them down, and we will start with the action scenes of Taken. Jason, what do you have? Five action scenes from Taken is what I broke it down into. Fight number one is at the airport with Peter. He beats the shit out of Peter. It's not <laughs> well, that's a-, a fight so much <laughs> as it is. A- well, the only reason why I counted it is because Peter had the backup guy that came out and tried to get involved and... Yeah, he probably should have just stayed in the airport. Backup guy coffee. could have just was, stayed in the airport. <laughs> yeah. If backup guy's purpose was to gain Peter 1.2 seconds, then I guess mission accomplished. Yeah, he, he allowed him to get away and hit the streets. Well, the streets hit him, but <laughs> anyway, maybe that's what I should have called them. <laughs> I called it, I'm going to keep this <laughs> kicking meter running. <laughs> it's a taxi joke. Because he's in a like taxi. It. The second one was at that uh, job site with the containers when he has to go bust that lady out. I called that one at the job site, or it's been until now since our last injury. <laughs> the, for the job site. <laughs> signs. Yeah, job site. Clever. <laughs> okay. Number three is in the house with the red door that we talked about. I can't take credit for this one. My son came up with this one, so... Uh, if you like it, all credit goes to me. If you don't like it, he did it. It's called They're Going to Rouge the Day. French for red. It's <laughs> clever. <laughs> all right. I'll tell, I'll tell Drake. Number four is the auction, where I called that one. You actually paid top dollar for this <laughs> whooping. <laughs> all right. That's your best work so far today. Uh, okay. All right. That was mine. I just want to be clear. <laughs> And then the final one, of course, is the boat, or I called it, I'm going to kick you in your coxswain. Boat terms. All right. (laughs) All right. And of those five, Jason, which one was your favorite? And why was it Red Door? (laughs) I did choose Red Door, actually. I thought Red Door was, number one, just a baller action scene, which leads to that memorable interrogation scene. But what really sold it for me was, like I said, just watching him set it all up and then execute. I thought that was brilliant. Close second for me was the boat, but ultimately I went to Rob, why did you pick Red Door? (laughs) You can pick something else if you want. No, Red Door it is. Like we discussed earlier, the whole setup of that one, and then, you know, he entered that place, and that was setting up dominoes, and then once he knocked that domino over, it was just nonstop badass for however long, five minutes. Yeah, uh, Red Door for sure. It's a good way to put it. It's like a Rube Goldberg device of right. bodies yeah. hitting the floor. <laughs> right. You know, I just thought about it. Similarly, uh, look for me to pick a similar theme in the Big Jake, by the way. It's, it's the red door is a scene that goes from zero to 60 real fast. And uh-huh. I'm going to have the same thing to say when it comes to Big Jake. But let's hear what those action scenes were, Jason, and Big Jake. Okay. I had four in Big Jake. I counted them candles raid. Some action going on there, actually. I called that one. I've been listening to this boy play the piano all day, so let me just hand him up to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of evil. Yeah, we'll pay you the million dollars. <laughs> we'll get, get out of here. <laughs> We've taken the collection. 
take it, pay a million dollars to take him. The second one was the ambush uh, when they ambushed the guys in the cars. And I called that one. And now you know the origins of AAA. <laughs> okay, not bad, not bad. Number three was the fight in the town. And I called that one. I didn't drop the soap, but I'm going to drop your Okay. Uh, <laughs> just time out. Was I the only one really disturbed when the door came off and John Wayne was standing there in what appeared to be flesh covered, you know, something. And yeah. very briefly, I thought, oh, my God, oh that's my a naked God. John Wayne. Oh, we're <laughs> going to see the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then the final one was the showdown, the final showdown. I called that one. No gold, only lead. Excellent. And your favorite one? I like the showdown. I like that final showdown. It was brutal. It was nasty. Close second was the town fight right before it, but the showdown was was the one I selected. What'd you rub? Agree on that 100%. The showdown at the end was the best part of the movie by far. I could imagine going back and watching just that last, what, 20 minutes or something like that. Some of the stuff in the in the town scene was pretty good too, but... No, the finale of that movie was really good, although it will contribute to a deduction later, but we'll we'll get to there. Oh, oh. oh. Unfortunately, the sniper doesn't get to do a deduction, but you do <laughs> oh. get to do airing of grievances. Yeah. You oh, get okay. Well, I've got a big one for that, uh, so okay. All okay. right. Well, that's You'll get a chance. Trust me. Okay. I'm going to actually pick in town. You, I could go either way because there's really I like the end a yeah, lot. I, too, but I told you a minute ago that there would be a theme of going from zero to sixty because I did not see that coming when his son was at the bar and like he was like, "Yeah, I'm a coward," you know. He's let these guys push him around, and then we go from like we go from zero to sixty. We're zero to hundred. The dude like slaps him or something, and he just starts killing everybody. <laughs> and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa what's, what's happening here?" And then it cuts to John Wayne killing that dude in the shower. And I was just like, whoa. I was so shocked, like pleasantly surprised. Like, oh, we're, we're okay. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving now. It was um, kind of like the red door scene. From exactly. That's why I said that's kind of the Everything theme. It's that whole zero to 60 thing that mm-hmm. I really like. But man, that last shootout was very, very cool and memorable. I definitely uh, really liked that Pat Wayne actually, I think, got the best line of the movie when that guy said, hey, I heard you killed two men in a in a square fight today and he said it's about to be three <laughs> yeah that was that was that i was, was like well done. <laughs> oh it's on it, to me you know i don't want to make this go too long but to me that goes back to a kind of i felt the way we felt when we talked about tom cruise in mission impossibles i feel like john wayne was tom cruise and i'll make this point like you know how we've, we've said as tom cruise has gotten older he's been smart about surrounding himself with other people and letting mm-hmm. them have limelight i felt like john wayne surrounded himself, you know, with his own son and other actors and to give his own son what I thought was the best line of the movie. I thought was kind of selfless. Like I don't have to be the badass all the time. I can let other people do it. And like, I felt like he shared that well. And I really like, anyways, we've got some scoring to do. We do. Let's double back. Jason, we all liked the uh, red door scene. You liked it to the tune of. I went with an eight on that. I still think that's well above average and falls in line with the rest of the action scenes of the movie. Match game number seven. Do not drive home if you made this a drinking game. Uh, I also scored it an eight. Big Jake. I could go either way, really, but I just want to give some love to the town scene. You liked the uh, ending scene, climax. To the tune of? A seven. <laughs> Is that eight match? One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, I think it's eight match games. Wow. 
Yeah, we're seeing pretty eye to eye on this one, it looks we like. definitely are. Eight match games. I also scored it a seven. We have one more Sniper's Bullet to give, and Rob gets to tell us which movie he thought had better action scenes overall. Taken. Far and away. <laughs> we're not doing Far and Away. That movie is... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There weren't a lot of action scenes in that one. Nicole Kidman looked really good. I actually have never seen that one. But, uh, oh, I've yeah. seen it many times. It's good. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing yeah, it. Yeah, it's a good movie. That's the end of round five. All right. That just leaves the deduction round. The round for the ridiculous. Now, this really pisses me off to no end. So we can take points off of either of these movies for anything that we thought was just silly, just stupid, just ridiculous. So, Jared, are you taking any points off of Taken? Negative. Yeah. I almost did when he did that jump off the bridge. I was like, that is a long jump. Like, I'm like, but then he like limped off. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it hurt him. He felt it. He felt it. Okay, I'll <laughs> give it to him. But no, nothing. I'm good on that movie. I thought it was, like I said earlier, really well-grounded action. I'm not going to take any points off, but he should have custody of that child. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's an odd movie where the you know rich new husband is more likable than the actual ex-wife. ex-wife. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, I like this guy better than I like her. Right. <laughs> and points, you know, we were talking about you know, there's not a big villain. That guy's name is Xander Berkeley, I think. He's always the bad guy. And yeah, I he's always the, a scumbag. <laughs> right. Yeah. The first time I watched Taken, I just knew that when he came back, he was going to reveal that he had figured out that, no, the, the new husband is the mastermind behind the whole thing. And it's not, you know, just, okay, we're back. Yeah, he's know? actually a likable dude. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, kind of points to him for that, for not going with what to me is the obvious, this is the bad guy. Yeah. To quote Pat, they duped us. They duped <laughs> they us with Xander. What's his name? Cause we were like, Oh, that's the guy that always plays the jerk, the smart. Right. jerk. And, all right. So no points off of taken any points you're taking off of big Jake. I already kind of mocked the motorcycle scene and I took it out on the actual scoring. That to me was like, okay, I, I get it. You guys are very happy to have this motorcycle. So no, I, I won't take anything off. Looking forward to Rob's area of grievances, though. But I am too. Before we do that, yeah, I'm not taking anything off either, just so we can get to Rob's area of grievances. Go ahead, Rob. The floor is yours. I'll start with Taken. You know, Maggie Grace played his daughter. She was in Lost. So shout out to Kathy. She and I are both big fans of that show. Side note: Uncle Rico was also a supporting character on Lost for a while. Maggie Grace was not good in that movie. I remember that, and like. She was directed to act that way. I mean, she was playing a teenager when she was actually, I think, 25, 26 years old. But, like, did you notice how when she ran? I have things to say. (laughs) Okay. I'm afraid to say much for fear of getting canceled, but (laughs) there had to be on purpose. It was. was. Okay. She had had an actual running coach that taught her how to run like a 12-year-old. Because but she was supposed to be 17. Right. They did that. That was a choice. Okay. They did that to make her look more immature. Okay. To have that right. sort of floppy 12-year-oldy. Because I noticed that run too, and I was like, she runs like she's a little kid. Yeah. yeah, that stood out to me from the first time. And I was like, maybe it's not as bad as I remember. No, it's it's bad. It's real bad. I guess I did notice it. Now I gotta go back and watch it. Oh, this yeah, thing. go back and watch it. Yeah. Was this she, like when which, she was in the yeah. airport or wh- like where? at her house when she yeah. runs to her dad? Oh, to give a hug. Okay, okay, okay. Right. And then when they meet in the cafe, when they meet 
he thinks he's meeting just her and Famke Jansen comes with him and she runs out. I think that one, if I remember right, that's the worst example of it. And it's um, all on purpose. There was actually yeah. coaching that. Okay. That, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. I don't I guess, know. Either. Like, that's a ba- it was an odd choice. Yeah. I'll take some of my criticism of her away because she apparently did what she was told. All right. The big one. I cannot believe you didn't take points off Big Jake. They kill the dog. Oh, good that's point. unforgivable. You good do point. not kill the dog. <laughs> It's an excellent point because when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, they killed the dog. And it's such a likable dog, too. Yes, it was an awesome dog. I read a little bit about it. Apparently, the two dogs that portrayed the one dog in the movie were literal descendants of Lassie. That is true. There, there's no acknowledgement that this guy's old friend and his dog were viciously butchered with a machete. Jacob lives a rough life, man. That's like a Tuesday, Dan. I guess You're so. right about that, Rob. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Like I've always said, kill as many people as you want in a movie, but leave the dang dogs yeah, in life. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you go Rob John knows. Wick on them, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the exception that proves the rule, because killing the dog is the entire motivation of the yeah. movie. Yeah, oh, definitely. No, that's an excellent point, because I was very heartbroken that that dog got killed with a machete, nonetheless. I was like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, good odds. Hate this movie now. Minus 10 right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can deduct that, that 10 points. Honestly, if the dog had not died, I might have liked the movie more. But <laughs> yeah, when that, that happened, right. I was like, oh, you sons of so-and-sos. You, no. I, I, it was off screen. It's not like we saw blood flying, but still. Yeah, well, no, what was really sad about it, because the dog had already been shot. Right, so the dog could have just laid there and been like, "This is a right. bad day for dog." Yeah, <laughs> but, and he, but he comes back for one last right. heroic act, yeah. only to get hacked right. up by a machete. He, claw- he like crawled his way, wounded, to get in that fight with that machete guy. Yeah, that's tough for the dog. I don't know if I could take a point off of it, but yeah, I'm with you. Oh, Jared's laughing. We must have a tie game or a very close game. Uh, that's the end of our official rounds. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math, because we do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. But real quick, as far as match game went, yeah, we had eight matches on this one. And oh, by the way, Jason and I both had the same exact scores for both Taken and Big Jake. Sniper points. Rob gave four of his five bullets to Taken and one to Big Jake. And peek behind the curtain, guys, it's going to make all the difference. The snipers do matter, unless it's Oblivion versus Alan Quartermain and Temples, then it just doesn't matter. But anyways, looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 76 to 75 is taken. Well, congratulations to Taken. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...2015. And I will bring a film from... Choose Your Destiny. ...1986. What will those films be? Oh, Lordy. Well, we're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. 
And we're thinking of you, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode and just find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter and Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I do have a John Wayne book page sketch on True Grit. So make a move on that, people. Um, enough of my pimpage. Rob, thank you for being our sniper. Where can people find you? On Twitter and Instagram, I'm Rob AU. 94 rob au94 awesome yeah rob's good follow i always enjoy chatting with rob on the twitter tweets if you can get a word in between him and kathy talking about lost i think that's all they do but (laughs) we have threatened to start a podcast yeah and if you do start a lost podcast you do have a home on this network (laughs) okay (laughs) speaking of our network be sure to check out all the shows on the Longbox Crusade Network by subscribing to, you guessed it, Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, get Google Tunes, I whatever they're called. Just go find a podcatcher, and it's probably going to tune into Longbox Crusade. Or you go to www.longboxcrusade.com if you want to do it 1998 style. And if you want to send us a question or comment, you can do that by hitting us up on social media at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, YouTube. As a bonus, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We just might play your voicemail on the show. In fact, we probably will, unless it's just a bunch of obscenities yelled at us because we didn't pick your favorite movie. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Oh, that's uh, why I haven't played my... <laughs> <laughs> And anyways, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. And until next time, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. I'm doing a Mr. Bean here where I'm I'm turning I'm muting my mic and then bringing my script up and realize oh I muted the mic and then I've gone around the horn about three times here. I think I got it. She's going to blow him away. Dun, 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 dun.